We go on our event. We're going to see a concert. And we're going to see Metallica live. Now, yeah, I totally tricked my wife. You know, I, I played the slow song. nothing else matters. Oh, I like that song. It's not so scary. Yeah, see? They changed. They evolved. <laughs> so we get to the show, all right? And we get there. We sit out. I forget. I'm, I'm domesticated now. She's like, is there a brochure? I'm like, all right. <laughs> We're looking around the stadium, brochure, whatever. Now, here's when you know you're too old to be going to concerts. First of all, the name of the bands is already a tragic mistake. Here's the opener. So you ready for this? Just the names. Anthrax, Megadeth, and Slayer. Okay. All right. Did you hear? All right. You hear that? You hear that? You hear that? Let me tell you something about Slayer fans. They, they are, that was the scariest time of my life when the Slayer fans showed up. That's the first time I feared my own race. I'm not even kidding you. I feared my own race. They look like the extras from Lord of the Rings. Right before Slayer came out, someone came out. <laughs> they came out of nowhere under the ground tattooing their faces <laughs> Slayer! Slayer! We're here to <laughs> and I'm, I'm hovering my wife like everything's gonna be okay <laughs> we're only gonna be on for like 15 minutes be safe. So Slayer's about to go on right before Metallica. The lights go out. Now, I forget I'm domesticated, so when the lights go out of show, I still get that giddy feeling. <laughs> <laughs> show starting. Because <laughs> I'm used to, you know, beauty and me. <laughs> Why are they so mean to the beast? They don't get better, Daddy. So, <laughs> so the lights go out, and I hear, and I, is there a train coming? And I turn around, and there's about 500 Slayer fans, and they're heading right for the stage, and they're not using the aisles to get there. being flung, people flying up in the air. And I looked at my wife like, every man for himself. Sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing... Derek, please. You understand and agree... 
to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed, my colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whatever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. in my office and I heard a rock. Describe the rock, sir. Does this mean we're not So we're using all like our podcast like sounds and stuff. Yeah, it's this is something new we're trying out. Usually we just take the audio, throw it with the thumbnail, and play it for you all. Uh, I still have to. We're doing it both with recording the audio uh, with what we got, and then of course Streamyard. We're just recording, so really, uh, it's gonna be interesting because it's recording on both. So we'll, we'll see how this goes. Uh, be a little interesting if not uh once i've tested it and looked at it because i didn't even think about the idea well it shouldn't even really make a difference i don't think uh but we'll see how it goes we'll uh, see what happens you are getting ready to listen to another episode of classic reflections brought to you by metal tavern radio the former podcast now youtube podcast so um this week it's been about a month and a half I think since we've done this because we've had a lot going on and we thought we'd throw one out there but this week we're doing Sabotage and it's Hall of the Mountain King. Yep. 
definitely uh, my first exposure to this obviously was upon its release in 1987 uh, through the video for the title track and uh, it's still a fun video to this day uh, very fantasy oriented um, when I bought the record on cassette I just like fell in love with it um, just really really good record and uh, Sometimes gets overlooked as you know a gem of the '80s, and as far as the I never out. heard this song until I met you. Yeah. So. And so I'm really curious how you're going to think about the rest of the album because it's really cool. And then, you know, we just did an interview with Chris uh, from Diaspora, and like he's he likes a lot of classical music like Beethoven and stuff like that, and Edward Grieg, which plays a part in. Uh, not only Hall of Mountain but mainly the Prelude to Madness, which is Chris Olivia, the guitarist, doing uh, Hall of the Mountain King on guitar. But we're, we're going to play that as like a, a together piece because it's sort of like an intro to Hall of the Mountain King, which doesn't get played on the video or anything, but when you're listening to the record, it ties it in, so it's really nice. Um, apparently, uh, Greg didn't get credit for Prelude to Madness, but he got credit for Hall of the Mountain King, which isn't the same sound like the the music is different that's uh, interesting right so it's kind of weird how that happened um now most fans of sabotage uh generally like uh generally like um a lot of the earlier sabotage releases more than the later releases now usually with the early releases they do like um Hall of Mountain King, but, you know, because at one point, after Chris Olivia's death in 93, uh, there was this six months after they released Edge of Thorns, which is another fantastic record. In fact, I would consider that equally as good as Hall, but it, it showcased a different singer with Zachary Stevens. John Olivia uh, stepped away, but he still had writing credits for Edge of Thorns at the time, but, uh, you know, it's kind of somber talking about uh, Chris Olivia now because of the tragic death and like the car accident and everything that his wife passing away in 2005 uh, probably from what's like alluded to suicide through the depression about losing Chris so. yeah uh, but you know uh, it was kind of interesting at the time Overkill released their album FWO and had a song on there dedicated to Aww. Chris called Rip Undone and then Testament and Vicious Rumors who released albums that year dedicated to Chris Olivia as well. So, uh, For John, uh, the, the thing that always stood out about him and his vocal, especially in Hall of Mountain King, is the eh, 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 like it's just crazy. Like I don't know how you can do it for so long and not lose breath, but uh, very uh, good singer. Uh, he went on to form um, John Olivia's Pain, and then also Trans-Siberian Orchestra, which their music has been kind of showcased in commercials for Christmas songs and stuff. They so, tour, like the whole Trans-Siberian yeah. Orchestra tours, like, I mean, every Christmas, they, they come, which I did not know that, that he was behind the Trans-Siberian Orchestra? John's involved. Uh, the guy who produced this record and a few others for Sabotage, uh, Paul O'Neill, I think, or at least O'Neill is his name. That's wild. He's involved with it. Um, there's some other guys that they all knew growing up uh, involved with it. So, yeah, John is a, an instrumental part of that. 
So uh, it's very cool, like what they were able to do. And they've always been very sabotage has always been kind of very operatic in a sense. So like when they did Streets, a rock opera, it was like a concept album, which initially took a little time for me to digest and get in, uh, into. I did like uh, Strange, uh, Stranger or something. It, it was like the one hit they had on there, but the rest of it's a little bit more progressive, which was kind of cool. But I went back later as a challenge from somebody to listen to it and give it another try, and I came out liking it a lot more uh, once I did. But I always end up finding myself back at Hall of the Mountain King uh, as an album just because it's, 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 it's rough, it's raw, and uh, it just hits you very good. It doesn't slow down. It's, it's just very good. A lot of cool vibes about it. And I think, um, who was it? Someone, it was like a thrash band maybe? I, oh, Megadeth. Uh, that year, <laughs> they had oh, Sabotage yeah. open up for them during that tour which is kind of cool so we are now gonna like I'm pretty familiar with this record Neko is not but she, um, as usual I'm curious how she's gonna think about it overall I know she likes Hall of Mountain King the song but now we're gonna give her a taste of seeing what else we have in store for her we'll see this. what happens yeah so let's go
Huh? No, no, we're on, we're still on. No, you're muted. No, on the video, we're muted. On this, we're not. So, how is that going to work? Don't you want sound on the video? Yes, because it's recording on Broadcaster. But how are you going to put the sound to the video when you... Combine it, like how? I usually do. Is that what? Gonna combine it. But you didn't have your mic muted before. Uh, yeah, I know. I started out, and then I realized I don't want recording audio twice because the video is recording. It's, it's funny how I have to explain this while we're doing this live. <laughs> I, I need you to because I don't want to go through this entire thing, and then you're like, fuck, we don't have any audio. That's why I need to double check because you have us on mute right now. For the Are you telling me you just want to do it the old way? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm just saying I just don't want to do this. And then you're going to be like, oh, the video, I can't put it up because uh, it doesn't, I, I, it, there's no audio and I can't make it work. But there is audio because it's on the broadcaster. It's on the audio side where the music is. You yeah. need a producer. I do. I fucking need like a PR guy and editor and like Asmon. He's got editors. No, you need to get a little bit more popular. Yeah, well, I can't. You know, nobody likes me, so. Work harder. <laughs> Work harder. <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, so that was 24 hours ago, opening up Sabotage's Hall of the Mountain King album. Oh, okay, the lineup at this time was uh, John Oliva with vocals, Chris Oliva on guitars, Johnny Lee Middleton on bass, which we caught a little bit at the end of the song. Boom, 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 that was like the best part of the song. I was kind of bored with the song, honestly. Wow. And then it wasn't we have Steve Watchholes on drum. Uh, so you were bored with that, okay. Um, then the bass line kicked in. I was like, this is good. Like, I feel like. But the beginning was kind of like fluff, but then when it hit with the bass line, it sounded like a completely different song. Now, what about the guitar work? Oh, sorry. Oof. I just feel like Oof. it sounded like two Oof. completely different songs, honestly. It, it, the beginning up until that, where the bass line hit, it sounded like two completely different songs. I'm not saying it's a bad song. I'm not saying I hate it. I'm just saying... Just, I, you're not a favorite of it. I, I, it's not my favorite of the album, for sure. And probably I would have gotten more of the heavier bass in it. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. I just think... Maybe. So you would have liked to hear a little bit more prog throughout it, like because that's basically kind of like that bass line is like an early version of some of the prog that they would later do. Maybe I don't know. I mean, I it's just, not like wankery, but you know. I just I I think it sounded like two completely different songs. That's okay. Really, what it was, and I liked the second half better than the first half. Okay, fair, fair enough. All right. I'm saying I hated it. Don't. I'm not. You can have your honest opinion. That's what this is all about. This is what this is all about. So the next track is called Beyond the Doors of the Dark. Another one of my favorites off the record. And so we are going to jump in with that. So here we go. All right.
still still fucking around with this. It's it's crazy. I have to go from one thing to another. I need like a bigger two screens. That's what I need. Two screens. Well, we have a, another um, monitor. I don't just have no room on this desk. <laughs> it's a pretty big desk too. He had the desk is so big. Yet I'm over on the side. Well, yeah. Part of, of my problem desk. is like the other he half has is two computers. My gaming computers over here, so like that. So I can't even sit next to him anymore. I have to sit like. Well, it just yeah. She even if she sat next to me, like she'd be back here, which makes her look small, which she doesn't want to look small, because we went through that before we started this whole fucking thing. <laughs> I look small. I was just trying to get me head level, like. Do you want me to do it so that? <laughs> no. <laughs> so that was beyond the doors of the dark. I really like that song. Yeah, a lot. It's I good did. Crunchy, good riffs. Uh, John showcasing his vocals again. The ah. It sounded it. just like him. No, I did not. It was horrible, terrible. All of you, just terrible. One hundred percent. Just sounded exactly like him. So what else? Uh, what else do you want to say about the song? Um, I it, it it immediately was better than the first song. Now you you do notice now it's not uncommon for bands when they put together records that the songs kind of flow within one another. But I think this is a good example where it still, even if you felt like the first song was a little bit meh, it still flows like in terms of sound like it, it kind of meshes well uh, they're not they're not like drastic departures from one another i'm gonna have to hear the next song to to kind of like comment on that because i think the two songs were completely different okay like it just might be i mean because this came out in 87 and i didn't hear it until like 2002 so and you've only heard the one song yeah though, that's so like most, me so. giving an opinion on this is very fresh and it's also from a point of view where i've literally never she was seven when this came yeah out, so, so I, I i'm not in the 80s mind frame to appreciate it when it came out and i'm hearing it now in 2023 and for me the first song did not make sense for the second song and the second song was awesome and the first song was not terrible at all it was okay she would call it filler yeah it's what it is it's sound and for them to open with something like that is kind of like eh. it's not painkiller yeah it's not painkiller <laughs> all right well the third song that we have here is called legions all right let's do it yeah, let's do it do it up Yeah. 
just have to say that. So Legions, uh, I, there's a part in the guitars there where it's like dun 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 dun. dun. It gets like really low. I really love that work by Chris. There. I I said to DJ Anubis, I was like, "Yep, good song, good song." So we're ramping it up. I think that that might be what they were doing. They were trying to like give you a taste at the beginning and then ramp it up because I, I did really like this song and excuse me towards the end where they're um they're really like accenting that guitar solo I kind of joked with DJ Anubis I was like what happened to the guitar solo like yeah Chris was so revered as a guitarist and so like when he died it hit a lot of people hard in the metal community like it, it's it's really funny because, like, you know how people get with Dimebag from Pantera. Mm -hmm. So, obviously, I don't think many people knew about Chris as much as Dime, obviously, because Pantera was a much bigger band, mm -hmm. like, as far as, like, the mainstream is concerned. But Chris, like, was just a phenomenal guitarist. And so, like, having him pass away when he did, just, like, for a lot of people. It's like, really sad. Like, like, I didn't even know that bands like Overkill and Testament really knew of them in terms of friendship so i'm mm -hmm. sure they've heard the music but like to have them actually say hey, this album is dedicated to him that's pretty amazing like you know it's so sad to think of you know when you were told me about the accident i'm just blown away huh. honestly like all right we're not getting depressing here we have another <laughs> amazing song that is lined up and <laughs> what is the next song this is uh actually uh probably what you would consider like almost somewhat of a ballad um it, 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 a I monster think, ballad no it, it, not by sabotage stands in fact like I said when Edge of Thorns which is another favorite record of mine John not doing vocals on it but he did play some of the pianos and stuff like that and wrote some of the songs with Chris before he passed away on that record uh it's, it is interesting because Zach took over and Zach did a very good job on vocals taking over but John was always kind of still part of the band, just on the outside looking in. And maybe maybe he left because of what happened with Chris, or he was gone before, so maybe it was something else. But in the end, like he was always still kind of involved with sabotage in some way, which was kind of cool. The guys never had a problem with it; they always welcomed him. And it, it could have been just too, like you know, his friend passing away, maybe his brother, life. Actually, huh? His brother. It was his brother. Oh, I, they were. I didn't know they were brothers. Oh yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, uh, but this one, uh, I think they did do a video for it. I don't think I ever watched it, but uh, again, it has this very nice ballad-esque type vibe about it, and uh, so we're going to test it out. This is called Strange Wings.
There you have it, Strange Wings. I actually really like that song too. I was just commenting during, you know, you were like listening. Semi ballad. I was like, it's not really a monster ballad. Ballad, like when you think of a monster ballad, I, I'm trying to think of like what I would think like, what's that song uh, by Mr. Big? Um, the one that's like a monster ballad. Oh, um, I hate that song too. Well, <laughs> well, give me a monster ballad. Oh, well, I mean. Um I guess you could consider you, you Every Rose maybe, Has a Thorn being Yeah, that's, that's definitely a monster ballad. I was also thinking, you know, maybe the song Love Hurts. Home Sweet Home. Uh, Love Hurts. Well, yeah, Nazareth. So. <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah. In fact, Crypt from Metal of May recently said, What song would you never ever want to hear again and you'd break the record if you ever had it and I was like Nazareth Love Hurts but we have that record do we? yes or is it gone? <laughs> did you ruin my Nazareth the record? <laughs> take a big old dump on it so we're not taking a dump on that song though clearly no. i love that song and it's not like the ballad in the ballad sense it's a very 80s like heartfelt high screaming guitar kind of sound and i really dug it oh yeah. now i'm really from the 80s i dug it i dug it and if you were listening to cassette that would conclude side one flip flip unless you have one of those cool cassette players that could like do, auto flip yeah do the thing where it went and then you mind blow that was a big deal like if you had a friend with one of those especially like when we were well when we were young. When we were young. And in, in, um, so I don't know if you, like, in your car, if you had one that would just, like, auto, because some cars you had to, like, pop it out and then flip it around. But some cars could just, like, auto flip too. So if you had someone, but then people started really flexing and putting, like, the 1285 disc CD changer in their trunk. That'd be me. And so, like, the cassette player would be, like, in the front and be like, oh, you got a cassette? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, here, let me flip it over. I got, I got, like, all of Led Zeppelin's albums in my trunk, plus, uh, ACDC, Korn, uh, anything you want. And I'm like, it's, it's like a jukebox in my trunk. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's a jukebox. How many, you did have quite a bit of, uh, CDs in your CD changer. Yeah, I, well, I think... The biggest I had was like a 12 CD changer. It was like the big thing you just plug and play. You had a 12, man. I had a bazooka tube, sub. Yeah, I was, I was cool. Yeah, and I was then, really cool, man. And but then, that was in my Escort. <laughs> Not a Camaro or some shit. I, I did love your Escort. I did. You so now where we get into the fun, real fun for me. Um, oh, oh, hold on. And now this is where... I'm going to play both Prelude to Madness and oh, Call yeah, of Madness yeah, yeah. together because they, they tie in together very well. Uh, obviously, Prelude to Madness is an instrumental by Chris, one of two instrumentals on the record. Uh, and it's the one where Chris actually plays Hall of Mount King by Edward Grieg, but he does a guitar style in his own uh, unique way. Dun, 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 and then, yeah. And then we get into Hall of the Mountain King, which Neko is very familiar with. Mm -hmm. 
and still one of my most favorite songs of all time. It actually appeared on my top 100 all songs of all time if you had not heard that. I had those done a few months ago. And so here we go, kicking it off, Prelude to Madness. Thank you, Chris, for everything you did for us.
I didn't know I was coming on camera, so like I sprang it upon her. Mm -hmm. She's like, I thought we just did audio. I was like, usually we do, but we're trying something different. How's this? Like, what if I do behind my ears and like fluff the bangs? Okay. Now you look. I don't know. Bad. No, I was trying to think of somebody you remind me of, but can't remember the name, so it doesn't matter. So that was Prelude to Madness oh, and Hall of the Mountain, Mountain King. King. So good. It was so really good. good. Like, we were just kind of like... Well, I, like I said, like, there's points in there when John is singing the verse, you know, in the hall. And there's like this echo effect, like you said, mm -hmm. in, in like an actual hall. Which, however they did that when they uh, recorded the record and everything, it just came out very perfect for what they were trying to achieve with the song. 
And again, that, eh, 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 like, I don't, like, he goes from that to right into a verse. And I'm like, dude, where's your breath going? You have no breath left. I, I just said, like, the coolest thing I've always liked about this song is you're just taking a classical song and, and adding lyrics to it because it's, it's just not something you really do. And the only time... And I, I don't think I've ever even told you this. There was a time when I was in my later teens. My sister and I decided we were going to do um, the Nutcracker. And they had auditions. And we're like, okay, we're going to audition for dancers. We're like, okay, this is great. And we didn't realize it was like the Nutcracker, the musical. <laughs> so my sister and I are the only dancers in the nutcracker and we dropped out of that like so fast because like they were taking the songs from the nutcracker which which is tchaikovsky and like putting lyrics to it it was really corny and really cheesy and the nutcracker as you know is something that is near and dear to my heart i keep like nutcrackers displayed all year round they don't go away for christmas they're, yeah they're all out i have a giant one now okay <laughs> it's gonna come kill me in my sleep do you think so no he might come alive tonight i'll turn on the white noise and then it'll be like be like the trilogy of terror <laughs> but i um i i find it amazing that sabotage was able to take and put their spin and their own lyrics and make it still have an homage to a classical song whereas when i was doing that silly nutcracker musical which only had two dancers which if you don't know the nutcracker is a christmas ballet and it's nothing but dancers and it was cheesy silly lyrics this was not cheesy silly lyrics it was like i don't know what the right words are it was like i don't want to call it like medieval but it was kind of medieval sounding and still kind of like cool but I, I i don't know is that the right way to describe it like it has like a medieval rock if that would yeah, be a genre yeah. like medieval rock yeah and i and i think that is something you i mean obviously the lyrics are like 24 hours ago to the opener like i was reading the lyrics a little bit like it, it sounds like more like getting in a car and leaving and doing something but i don't know john's mentality behind his lyrics when he wrote the record or even like i know the other guys contributed to the album as well with the songs they wrote but like hall of the mountain king the the video the whole vibe it is very fantasy and medieval sounding like it just has that vibe about it so and, that, and maybe that's just what they're trying to go for like their I mean, their entire like aesthetic is yeah, yeah, it's it's very traditional. Vibe. Yeah, because they have like records like Sirens and, and stuff like that earlier in their career. So definitely doing uh, some fantasy backlog. Well, you know, some bands like Tolkien a lot. So I don't know mm -hmm. how much of that plays into it, but yeah, so I mean, very and, cool. And that's we have to think of other bands too. I mean, like Amon Marth. You know, mm -hmm. like they're very they are viking metal so like they stay very true to their their viking roots and at, at, at the point where they don't even have a pit everybody sits down and does the giant like rowing which is kind of wild and amonomarth is a great show to see so if you're having you know sabotage 
they're staying true to their like medieval fantasy. Yeah, you know, King Diamond has his thing. Just you know, certain King, bands. I, 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 we'll get into King Diamond another time, but I, I'm just going to make one quick comment. The one thing that really, again, big blind spot for me. I did not even know who King Diamond was until 2002, and I met DJ Anubis. But for me, like the minute that I discovered King Diamond, everything I, I love theatrics again. It's probably why I love Amon Amarth too. But everything that King Diamond does, every album is a story. It's not just an album. He puts a story together with songs and. Like, that was me discovering King Diamond, and I'm listening to, you know, old King Diamond stuff from, like, the 80s, and just, like, losing my shit, and I'm like, how has this been a blind spot my entire life when I've listened to metal? But, you know, DJ Anubis says it all the time, there's just so much music out there, and, you know, when we were younger we didn't have the kind of exposure that the kids do now where it's like oh yeah you really had to search you had to around look. you had to take risks like I, for years i spent just and most and there's a lot of them that heads the same way that would just walk into a music store and you're like blind buying even before tower records when you had listening stations like you had to sit there and go Let's say there's four possibilities. I just gotta choose one. Which one looks the the best, and then I hope that it's good. Yeah, because it'll be like okay, maybe one song's playing on the radio, and you're like, okay, the, here's the new song from the new band. And for me back then with sabotage, like buying cassettes, uh, a lot of times at the time, I was buying just because I heard one song, mm -hmm. like on the radio or whatever on MTV. So. Hall of the Mountain came, like, I'm going to get this record. But I had no idea if it was going to be good or bad outside of that. Because sometimes you do pick up a record and it's like a one-hit type of thing. And you're like, ah. you know, I like this song, but I don't like the rest of them. But that wasn't the case here, obviously. You just kind of like... It was one of those big surprises. You're like, oh, I fell in love with this record. And you said, too, a lot. Like, for me, too, um, I, I really do miss the age of magazines. I have a whole pile of them upstairs I haven't even looked through and it was important to get magazines everybody had a subscription to whatever they liked and you know I I had my you know teenage magazines and also like my music magazines too and you get you know come in the mailbox once a month and that was what you went off of like even in in the the teenage girl magazines which would be like um, they don't even exist anymore. YM, Seventeen, etc. Um, they'd have like a whole music section, and they're trying to appease a wide audience. So they'd be like, "These are the top new albums for July," and it would like they'd list them. So you'd have to like say, "Okay, what have I heard on the radio? What am I reading in here?" And you just kind of have to like figure it out. And you know, I, I do kind of envy in a way the young people now that you can you get a lot of music just fed to you so easily before it was you just had to rely on your local radio stations whatever they were playing and sometimes it's contractual so it's like okay we're like a cbs or abc affiliate and these well are and that's the tough thing about sabotage is because technically hall of the mountain king despite being a great song it's not as catchy in terms of like the Van Halen's mm -hmm. or the Molly Crews or the Rats or Dawkins. So 
they weren't going to get a lot of airplay on mainstream radio. That was a good thing about MTV back then during that era was you saw a lot of rock bands, like bands like Rail that you normally wouldn't see or some of these smaller bands that didn't really become much after. Sabotage clearly had a great story career after this, but like some bands that like Rail only lasted a few years before they called it quits, but I remembered them clearly and so I ended up getting their stuff and you know just other bands in general like if you were just more heavy metal probably wouldn't get as much airplay as you would all the hard rock and glam rock at the time because that was the thing that everybody was into. And I think sometimes with the heavy metal bands they would try to clearly do a little something extreme Mm -hmm. to kind of get the press mm -hmm. to put them in the spotlight to be talked about. Yeah. So. And that's what the magazine would do because the magazine would take the ones that were getting attention, Metallica or, you know, the glam rock or whatever was hot at the time. Even, like, in the 90s, like, these metal mags started adding Nirvana and Soundgarden. That was pissing people off. Like, it's okay because we like those bands, but... The one, they're not really considered metal, but no, two, no. you're, and, and Headbangers Ball is guilty of this too, is that you're adding in something that people see all day anyway mm -hmm. or hear all day. What we like, what we do here, is to try to bring music that people have not really heard. Uh, we do have some popular stuff that people have heard. And trust us, we like popular stuff. Yeah, that's, but that's there's so much great music out there that people just don't know about and if there's no one to tell their story or let them know about it then what's the purpose like you know it, magazines need to open up more and do that more and and they 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 wouldn't right because it's like we want to put in what's popular and we have to sell advertising so yeah. what's going to sell advertising we have a story about the hot new band metallica or the hot new album from nirvana you like that's what they want to do is the, the popular thing gets put in the magazines and um, you have to kind of like there there were some pretty good clubs when I was younger that you could go to um, and actually I think at one point when you and I first got together like the rec room was still around that they, they got a lot of bands through there and it's you know, it's a shame that you either have to go to, like, some hole in the wall or some, like, gigantic place. There's not well, that, like, medium say, place like, anymore. The next song is, like, a good example, at least title-wise. Oh, what's it called? The Price You Pay for Being Original. <laughs> so Shut up! No. So, yeah, we're going to jump into the next song. Oh, it's called the this, price look at us with pay. our segue. Yeah. So here we go. Well, 
we? So there we go. The price you pay. I liked it very much. And we while we're listening, we always kind of talk clearly. It would be it would be rude to ruin the song and speak off, you know, yeah, yeah, during it. But what I was I was saying to DJ Anubis like I really can hear their distinct guitar sound. Mm -hmm. So I, I really appreciate that because like it didn't it sounds eighties, but it doesn't sound like every eighties band. Right. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's like they're they're a little bit more unique there. Uh, and that's the same that's one thing about like when you have one guitarist, like that was like a common thing. Like it's funny because okay, so like, I discovered this record at the same time I discovered Pride by White Lion. So like Vito Brada, the guitarist for that, mm -hmm. that's another great record. Um, that may show up sometime if we ever keep doing this. Uh, but those two records like really kind of got on my radar pretty early. Uh, but that single guitarist where they're just they kind of do some overlay sometimes, but you don't really hear like at least I can't tell. Chris doing a lot of overlaying work with his guitar, like the riffs and the was soul. really those two, and I remember they have two guitars, and that's what they do together. Three now, Three now. Mm -hmm. so they they like harmonize their guitars on purpose to do an overlay, and they're like, yeah, I think that's their thing. Like, I that's, think Sabotage, like probably in the wake of Magellan, I think they started going to two guitars. I think. And, and that's that's kind of fun, like when you when you yeah any it's, band, like it, when you have like that perfect guitar. I'll, I'll give a complete normie like slash. Everybody everybody knows slash, so it's like oh I know that's slash. But when you really have that in your band, it's like you can have that cohesion, and it's like this is sabotage. You could put a song on and say, I may not hear the lyrics yet, I may not hear the vocals, I may not hear anything else, but I, I know just from the guitars that this is sabotage. And that's what I really felt in this last song, is like, oh, I'm really hearing it now. Not that the other, clearly, I'm not like dissing the other songs or anything, I'm just saying like that song kind of like... Oh really? I think so far you only kind of semi-dislike the first one. You've been pretty positive throughout the, the, the rest of... The first song is not bad, it's just I felt like the second half was a lot better than the first half, so like that's why it just kind of shocked me. I'm like, they should have had this theme more for the whole song, but... I kind of get what you're saying where they were just trying to like ease you into mm -hmm. the album and sometimes and I'm guilty of this now but what we see with newer people releasing things they don't have a conceptual album not always like especially more popular bands because it's not about putting together an album it's about putting together singles mm -hmm. and having singles sell when we were younger, you know, there were like a couple of singles off of an album, maybe one or two, but you really couldn't buy individual songs. And the invention of iTunes just like flipped the switch and everything now as you buy into, or, you yeah. know. Yeah, I, I actually talked to Crash, Jason Stefan not too long ago and, uh, He's uh, he's got a project called Pasectomy. So 
he's been changing the way the band is. The band started out more of like this very porno grind, grindcore yeah, very type project. Grindcore. But now he's moved in more like progressive heavy metal. Almost and he has a Devin really great Townsend. singing. Yeah, like he has a good singing. Well, voice he's gotten too. other people involved with the project, and so he told me he's like, you know, right now I'm just working on singles and thinking about putting those out. What do you think? And I'm like, well, to be honest put out a couple singles but in the end you're gonna want a record even if you're not because he's not gonna tour for it but if you put out an album it's easier for people to review it and talk about it because it's, it's got a collection of stuff and maybe if he does put out singles he can like take 12 and turn it into an album yeah, but you don't want to wait too long because people aren't going to wait around that long for but that. If he, but that's what I'm saying is he can release the singles individually and then turn them into an album. No, that's, I, that's what people do. That's what I'm saying. That's yeah, what but, people do now. Right, but I think it's my opinion. My opinion. I know that's you your release opinion. two or three and then the rest just put together. That's not what people do now. That's why I'm saying. I'm telling you that's the way it should be done. That's, that's the way it used it's to be advice. done. It's my advice listen to the master that's the, the way master. it used to be done and it's not done like that anymore people will not people will buy one song yeah well, i know and that's fine that's their choice now get into the next track Okay, what's the name of the next track white witch i believe this is john luckis from nomos's favorite song or one of his favorites from this record uh it's more straightforward this is probably their heaviest song on the record and so it just comes right on at you it doesn't doesn't uh re it's re very relentless and uh it's great so very nice here we go with white witch white witch <laughs>
White Witch! Or as Neko likes to say, Bark at the Moon 2. <laughs> I... So go ahead, give people your impression of why you think this sounded No, like... I just said at the beginning it sounded a lot like Bark at the Moon, and... It has some fast riffing, like, I mean... Mm-hmm. But it doesn't, as you said later, like, it's not really stylized in the same way. It's so. not stylized in the same way, but, like, when I first heard the beginning, I actually got up, went to my phone, and I was like, when did Bark at the Moon release? Because I'm like, it, it sounds like they were taking some, not... I'm not saying it's a direct rip off, rip off. So don't don't think I'm saying that they're copying, but like, it sounded like someone got some inspiration from someone else, and I saw that Bark at the Moon came out in '83, and I was like, maybe just, you know, it, it might have just been like a little bit of inspiration or an homage or something, especially the very very beginning. But then towards the end, it was a little, I don't want to say faster, but, like, the pacing I, I, of the vocals I, I is I think faster. it is a little fast, because, mm-hmm. like, when you listen to this song, it has some sort of thrash elements to it. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very, very quick. It's quicker than a lot of the songs on the record in terms of arrangement. So, I, I can see it being faster, yeah. It's just, the very beginning, I was like, this sounds similar too dark or too dark at the moon bark at the moon dark at the moon dark at the moon (laughs) (laughs) i'm a nerd but i i i i understand how this happens too because we've we've ran into this in when we did the podcast we talked about um george harrison of the Mm -hmm. beatles when he went solo and he made his um, his album and the, the the single "My Sweet Lord," um, biggest, huge, huge single. It literally was out of all the Beatles who went solo, the biggest single of every. And it was very similar to "He's So Fine," um, which was from like the late fifties, early sixties. I forgot the name of the. It was an all-girl band. Um, like uh art not r&b but like uh motown band and um a lot of times and that's exactly what george harrison said he's like it wasn't intentional well it was another song because we were we actually went pretty in depth on that topic and there was another song that george did that sweet i said it sounds like fox on the run Mm -hmm. so yeah it was kind of funny and you're like, I like Fox and the Run better. Uh, yeah, because it was a George Harrison song, and then Sweet came out in the 80s and did it, and it was like, who? Actually, I think it was like... It was late 70s, 70s yeah. and it was another George Harrison... It was a George Harrison song, but this time he was first. And yeah. it's really crazy how sometimes, as an artist, you're not really... And, and again, George Harrison, there, there were years long decades long of lawsuits about this because of residuals etc and um sometimes it happens just by accident because it does like some people it's funny you wouldn't think it too much i mean as musicians they're influenced by music they grew up with Mm -hmm. but they don't always hear every band so like when we talked to chris again from ds war like he had never heard fear factory and they're like pretty known 
over the world, you know, as far as a metal band. And so that and just we, tells thought, you... And we thought it would be something that would be completely up his alley because it was very, like... The vocally, yeah. The vocally and, like, a the little bit vibe. of progressive and yeah. still kind of, like, heavy at the same time. Um, and you find that, like, sometimes when you enjoy something and you are a creator, in your heart, you're really trying to be to do something that's you know yours but you're taking inspiration yeah because i think my, my theory is sometimes with musicians is that you know they might hear a song that they really like and they might forget about it but then when they're writing they'll come up with a beat and they're like they won't put it together that they've heard it somewhere else they'll just sit there and say oh this sounds really good remember that song probably from like eight years ago um robin thick yes <laughs> And it but was I think, but I think they were trying to like imitate uh, Marvin Gaye a little bit there, but uh, they lost that. They but, did um, lose that, but it, it's it's insane how sometimes you um, and maybe it's just me. I mean, sometimes I, it's, sometimes like, it's really blatant. I, I'll so put it out Vanilla there. Vanilla Ice was. I'll blatant. listen. I'll listen. I listen to dar to dark. Oh God, I said dark at the moon again. Bark at the moon. Oh, I listen to Bark at the Moon like at least once a week literally i don't know why maybe it's because i could never beat it in i would like to see that video of that in your car here's me on the car and i drive to work get out of the way um i listened to that and um what's the song that he wrote for sharon uh mom coming home yeah. Yeah, I listen to that and my mom coming home at least once a week. Sometimes more. I don't know why. They're good songs. And I think sometimes I'm just saying as a listener, maybe because I listen to that song all the time, I'm putting my ear I'm like, Oh, it kinda reminds me of Bark at the Moon. I'm not I'm not trying to say Sabotage did anything wrong. I'm just literally saying I felt Bark at the Moon at the beginning of the song and that's that's okay i like the song a lot yeah yeah well uh we're down to the last two now i Ooh. was going to split these up but the the next one is actually another instrumental and it's only like a minute long so i'm gonna go ahead and just add it to the last song okay. uh so the instrumental is called last dawn and then of course the last song is called devastation and then we'll be back to talk about that and then close it out so here we go I look very metal. All my bangs are bad.
I hate you for making me come on camera without doing my hair. Hold on, let me. Okay, this is a good angle. So, what I'm trying. What are you, voguing? Yeah, I'm voguing. <laughs> so, what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I can't take myself seriously. This was the perfect ending to the album. Yes. I love the song. Loved, loved, nice loved riffage the song. again. Chris writing some great riffs there. I was like, I was like freezing the roof the whole time. I'm like, yeah. And the great thing about that song, and I, I don't think they wrote it for this reason, but it's, it's very like danceable. You know what I mean? Like if if they played it well, somewhere, see, people for, would be like, "Yeah, but the '80s wasn't really about dancing; it was doing this." But people, you know, if you played it at a, a wedding today, people or, would be like, "Yeah, we're dancing to this song!" Yeah. <laughs> but I, I really, I really, really, really like this song. I don't, and I've never heard it before. You know this. This is. You know this, you know this man. man. And you know this man. Anyway, um. I'm not Chris Tucker, so um, <laughs> I I've never heard the song and I enjoyed it a lot. And I I'm not gonna say this, but I'm gonna say it because it's my first time hearing the song. But I almost like it more than all the Mountain King. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, but it could be just the new yeah. feeling like mm -hmm. because i never heard the song before and i was just like just dancing and grooving to the song so it could be the whole new factor whereas hall the mountain king i've heard many times and i've even heard the intro before too i haven't heard this entire album ever and you know each song you know i'm like giving my opinion but then when this song played i was like this is the banger like this is the one that like it was perfect to close out i feel side two is stronger than side one i don't know if you feel the same way as me or uh yeah i mean i mean look you still have like you like legions a lot i did like beyond legions. The, the door the dark uh beyond the, the door of the dark whatever the fuck it was i'm drawing a blank at the moment um but then you have like call the mountain king then you have uh De devastation um you know this is side two call the mountain king yeah side opens two side two right well prelude to madness yeah so but uh yeah i mean you had white witch very straightforward heavy um I don't know. I, I still, I still find this a very strong record. Uh, oh, I'm not saying it's not, but I, I just, I like. We like the second. I half like better. side two better than side one. I'd start with side B and then flip the side A. Okay. That, yeah. So, but you did enjoy it, so that's that's mm -hmm. a good thing. Yeah, I liked it a lot, and I, I honestly, you know, as I was saying with the whole like Ozzy Osbourne thing, I'm like, I think sometimes your own personal bias just from the things that you hear when you are listening to something kind of plays into things however that last song i did not feel any kind of like um at least for me i don't want to say similarities but it felt very true to sabotage and it was like super hype like you like like the sabotage party anthem and that's that's kind of like what i want to think of this band as and i hope any sabotage band would would feel that too like well i think someday uh definitely i think i should 
put you through with Edge of Thorns as well, even though John's not on vocals in that one. It's still a very great record, and uh, Chris has a lot of great work on there as well. It is a bit different vibe, but uh, it's still Sabotage, and it's really, really great, so maybe someday we'll do that one. And I think, now that I think about it, like I'm going to put up a little poll, semi-poll, on Facebook and social media. So I'm going to give you three options for you people watching, like the next record that we're going to do. So I have a list, but I'm, I'm going to narrow it down to three for you to choose from. So we can go with Self-Tired by Wasp, King Diamond's Them, or Nine Inch Nails' Pretty Hate Machine. So let us know uh, which one of those you would like to hear us do first or next. <laughs> I can't. King Diamond, yeah, she's a big King Diamond fan. But uh, yeah, let us know. I'm going to post it and then you guys can tell us what you want us to do next out of those three. Grandma! <laughs> so thank you all for uh, tuning in and checking us out. Uh, we will see you next time. Tomorrow I will be doing another Cinematic Synergy with Kevin Lambert of KLE Headquarters. and uh, KLE Entertainment. Yep. Well, that's what the E stands for. KLE Entertainment Headquarters. Kevin Lambert Entertainment Headquarters. KLE. <laughs> She's been drinking. You have to forgive her. So have you. I gotta get back to watching the movie so I can finish it up and be ready for the review tomorrow. But uh, thank you all for tuning in and checking this out. Uh, hopefully when I put this together I'll be without a hitch. So uh, it was kind of fun. So thank you all again. And uh, see you next time. Keep it metal. Me too, me too, me too, me too, me too.